0: Well, sometimes you just have to do some Southern Gospel because it's fun to do. You just need a little hee-haw every once in a while in church, right? So, uh, no, thank you so much for being here and for being a part of our service. And and truly for those, again, that served in Vacation Bible School, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, We don't know the impact that that has on children Uh, For years and years, generations to come. And we know for sure uh, of a couple kids that came to know the Lord through that. And uh, that's why we do it and sharing the hope of Christ with them and their families. And so it's, it's an awesome, awesome time. We are going to continue in the book of Mark as we have been for some time now and uh, I have loved uh, walking through this book with you and going through verse by verse in this study and uh, today we come to really the final section of the book, the last one third of the book of Mark is on Jesus' final week of life. This last uh, week of his life is uh, that Passion Week, as many would call it, and uh, the, the the passage that we're going to look at this morning is what we call the triumphal entry. Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and Jesus uh, going to uh, really experience some things in his life that he knows is about to happen, but everybody else doesn't know around him, and so we, we, we've called this the triumphal entry. Jesus has uh, ministered recently. In roughly 35 different localities, he is now making that final trip, that final arrival into Jerusalem. News has spread, as it does everywhere Jesus goes. News would spread that Jesus is coming, that Jesus is coming into town. Uh, this is the guy that's done the miracles. This is the guy that's healed. This is, this is the Jesus. He's, he's coming into town. And every time that happens, the crowds become larger and larger. It's anticipated that Jesus, as he was walking in, was with roughly 100,000 people that were there. And that doesn't include the nearly 2 million that they assume, that they estimate, would have been in Jerusalem for the time of Passover. That's a lot of people. And Jesus was walking into that. Jesus is now back in Bethany, where he brought Lazarus from the dead. Where the religious leaders have placed a bounty on his head. If you recall, just a few weeks ago in Mark chapter ten, uh, verse number thirty-two was uh, thirty-two to thirty-four, I believe it was, was that that last time that Jesus is going to look at his disciples and he's going to tell the disciples, "Hey, uh, I will be crucified. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be tried. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be bruised. I'm going to be crucified, and I will rise again three days later." And as they're walking, Jesus, they're heading to Jerusalem. And the, the disciples said that they were amazed, that they were a little afraid. And the people that were following said the same thing. They were afraid. Why were they afraid? If you recall back to those weeks, it was just because of this one thing. Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead. And after he did so, it says in John 11 that the, uh, the people basically got scared. Hey, this guy... This is the real deal, and we got to do something with them. And so Jesus has known that he's now has a bounty on his head. The disciples are like Jesus, what are we doing? Why are we going to Jerusalem where they want to kill you? And so we come to this place where they're walking towards Jerusalem. They're in Bethany. They'll be in Bethpage, and Jesus is focused. Jesus has a determination about him. The the title this morning is A Determination to the Cross. Jesus had a determination about him. He was determined to walk to the cross, he was determined to finish the plan that had been set before him. His timing was perfect knowing that the Passover was just around the corner, knowing that the Passover was the reason that he was there, his plan of transportation of a, of a colt that was going to be unridden, that was going to be on the other side of town, if you will, just across the way, that he would have the disciples go and grab, that the men that were there would ask the question, and he would, they would say, oh, Jesus sent us. He was unwavering in his boldness to be public as he really had never done before. See, Jesus had been public in his ministry. We know that. Jesus was everywhere that Jesus was. He was public. He would share and minister in public. He would teach in public. But every time that Jesus would come to a place and he, we would see in Scripture that the crowds would gather and they would say something about taking him. Scripture always says that Jesus would always make a statement that the time was not yet ready. The time is not for today. He was saying that it's not yet time for me to, to go to the cross. It's not yet time for that to happen. And Jesus would always be gone. He would always find himself in a mountain to pray. He would always find himself away from the situation. But not this time. See, this time Jesus is going to walk straight through the crowd of people that will say, Hosanna, Hosanna. Jesus will walk straight through and face the religious elites who want to put him to death. Jesus at this moment is not shying away, and he was never afraid before, but Jesus at this moment is being bold in his determination to get to the place that God had already planned far ahead. And as we get into this sermon this morning, as much as anything, I really can't help but think about it being almost like a a movie trailer or maybe the just the beginning stages at that, uh, and we were just joking about movies and how I don't like movies. So um, I, I'm not a movie guy, and we were having a whole conversation in the corner before I came up front. Not that anybody cares, but uh, so we're as I look at this though. But the movie trailer gives just a couple a, a, a snippet of what's to come, and really as we look at this, this is just this this little verses 1 through 11 is just the smallest of of picture of really Jesus walking in to what is about to be the last week of his life. Can you imagine? It's one thing to go to the doctor and the doctor says, hey, we think you have a, a month to live. Jesus knew that he had one week. He knew the time, he knew the place, he knew the, the reason or the, man, the, the, the manner in which he would die. He knew every aspect of everything that was to take place. He knew walking where he was walking was the last time that he would ever, ever take that journey. But he was determined because he knew the plan. He knew the outcome. He knew the reason for that plan. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, and verse 18 says this, "...for the preaching of the cross..." is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. You know, there's a lot of people, there may be some in this room that look at this and they say, "This this guy is off his rocker. This guy's nuts talking about Jesus going to the cross as if it has any power. There may be some in this room, but God's word says it is foolishness to them that perish. But to those of us that know, those of us that have the hope, it is the power that we have. It is the power that we live with. Jesus was determined to, for that one reason, that he would walk to a cross. If you've been with us for any time, especially of late, in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, really the, the one verse that might uh, be the theme of the entire book of Mark. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, what does it say, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came for this one reason this one reason he came to walk through this town he came to do just that and i had to i have to think about this and i don't know how many of you are sports fans or i don't know how many of you maybe you work with somebody that's a very focused individual or you are maybe you are that individual but you've been around somebody that's been focused and you've looked at them and you've you maybe you've talked to one of your coworkers you've talked to somebody on the team or whatever it would be and you've thought to yourself that guy is determined. If you've watched a basketball game or a football game or a baseball game, in the interview, they come to the, the ball player at the end of the game, and somebody will say something about, I could see it in their eyes before they got on the field. There was something different about them today. I can only imagine that there was something different about Jesus. Maybe not. Maybe he was Jesus, cool, calm, and collected. It didn't matter where he was. I don't know. But I just kind of picture Jesus as he goes to that final leg of his journey, if you will, that final several days of his life, being absolutely determined to say, this is where I'm going, and there's nothing that's stopping me right now. There was a determination about him. Jesus has just taught the disciples in Mark chapters 8-10, through 10, we've talked about this, that Jesus had showed them and told them, hey, this is how you are a follower of Christ. This is what it means to follow Christ. This is the cost of being a disciple. And now Jesus is looking at them, and Jesus is leading the way, and Jesus says to them, hey, we're walking to Jerusalem, and I've not just told you what it is, I'm going to show you what it is to to follow and be obedient to the Father. This morning, we come to a, a familiar passage of Scripture and that it is the, the triumphal entry. But I believe as much as anything, we begin to see Jesus unlike we have ever seen Him up to this point. Jesus being determined and bold to walk forward with that perfect plan. Jesus, who is accepted honor by the exact people who would turn their back and cry, crucify Him. I think of, of this being the first time, maybe not the first time, but this being that moment where Jesus is now walking through a crowd of people and they would all say, Hosanna! Hosanna! They would honor Him. They would lay their clothes on the ground. They would cut the, the branches and lay it on the ground and they would scream out, Hosanna! And I, I, in some ways, I think, I wonder if His thinking was similar in this moment as it was when he was washing Judas's feet. For all of those same people that said, Hosanna, would be the same people that would cry out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus would accept that honor. Jesus was also determined. He had a compassionate heart knowing the outcome and what was to come. So this morning I have a title of the, A Determination to the Cross. And I have a question that I want to ask you this morning, and it's simply this. How determined are you to take up the cross? How determined are you to take up the cross? If you have your Bible with you, it will be in Mark chapter 11. If not, it will be on the screens this morning. But in Mark chapter 11, the first 11 verses is where we're going to be, and it says this. And when they had come nigh to Jerusalem, unto Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat. Loose him, and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And then went their way and found the colt tied by the door without, in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye loosing this colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garment on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches of, off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went. Father, we come to you, and God, I pray as we look at this passage, a familiar passage of Scripture, that as much as anything, that we don't just pass over it, but God, we would truly be here this morning to hear from you. God, I'm thankful that we can come and we can have fun, we can joke with Mr. Kenny and some of the things that we've done with Vacation Bible School, and we can have a good time with that, but God, I pray that we would slow down. And that we would listen to what you have for us from your word. Lord, not what I say, but God, that your word would speak truth into the lives, into the hearts of each and every one that sits here this morning, to those that would watch online. God, that you would speak, that you would challenge us, that you would draw us closer to you. And Father, if there's one that doesn't know you, God, would you draw them to yourself? For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. My first thought is this, and these are all very simple based upon this passage, but it's simple as this, a determined plan. Clearly, as with all things up to this point, there has been a plan. Jesus has a plan. There's a plan that, that was in, in place for Jesus. There was a plan that's in place for each of us. And God's plan is perfect, and it's already set before us. Jesus is on a mission. He had been leading and teaching for this exact reason and for this exact time. There's as many as 100,000 people that are involved at this point following in this entry of Jesus coming here to Jerusalem. Jesus had arrived in Bethpage in Bethany near the Mount of Olives on a Saturday before before the Passover. It would be the next day on a Sunday where He would have dinner at the home of Simon the leper, and it speaks of that in Matthew 26. Now, when Simon was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper... He would be at that home. That is where He would be anointed by the oil from the alabaster box. Jesus would enter into Jerusalem on Monday, which would also align with the requirements that the Passover lamb would be selected on the 10th day of the first month and the sacrifice on the 14th day. Jesus came in on that Monday as the Father's chosen lamb. This is what happened every passover they would come in and on that day they would bring their lamb and they would prep prep that lamb and that lamb would be slaughtered in a couple days jesus sent out a couple of his disciples to go into the village it says there across the way which would probably just be that the next town over right where they were it was probably just really a stone's throw from where they were and jesus sent those disciples and as we read it they said hey they're going to ask you this question, and when they do, respond like this. Jesus is, again, showing that he is God. Nobody else could have said, hey, there's going to be a colt. It's going to be on this corner. It's going to never have been ridden before. And, oh, by the way, someone's going to ask you a question while you're there. Jesus never went beforehand. He didn't go over to the town. He didn't go over and say, hey, guys, in a couple of hours, there's going to be a couple men, and they're going to try to take this colt. And when they do, if you could ask them this question, they're going to respond in this manner, and then you're going to let them walk, us, walk along. The, none of that took place. Jesus was showing and telling and reminding, if you will, those men, I am God. I am omniscient. I know what's going on. I know what's over there. I know all things. I have a plan. I am God. Just like he had all the way, every step of the way, Jesus was reminding the disciples and those around him, I am God. I am not just a good teacher. I am not just a moral man. I am God. He does this here again. This also aligns with, with the prophecy from Zechariah in chapter 9, of verse 9 of Zechariah it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the, the fowl of an ass. There was no arranging again. So Jesus is... is, is all of these things, the plan has been in place. And they go and they begin to untie the colt. They respond to the gentleman who asked them and they begin to take the colt. And they would take it to Jesus. As it comes to and as, as they go to Jesus, we know the story, but the stage is... Or, the stage is being set the the player the script is being is being fulfilled each and every step of the way and they get to Jesus and they begin to take their clothes and it says that they they put their clothes on top of this cult they were honoring him this was something that was done as an act of honor as an act of worship in some way if you will that I would take what I have and I would lay it on this colt and it would be a place for Jesus to sit. And then it says in this passage of Scripture, what does it say? It says that those that were along the way began to take off their clothes too and put it on the way. They were honoring Jesus. Culturally, this was a manner and a way to honor the King that was coming in. See, these folks... had believed that the king was before them. They believed that this king, this Jesus, was coming to conquer. Most in this room would know that Jesus did not come the first time to conquer and to rule as king, but he came to die, to give hope of eternity, to to, for the remission of sin, to, for the, the covering, for the washing away of our sin. That is why he came. He came as a humble servant the first time. He will come back. We can all, if you know Christ as Savior, we can celebrate the reality that I know my Savior's coming back. He's going to take up his own and he will conquer and he will rule and he will be in charge. But he didn't come the first time to do that. He came humbly that first time. His plan all along was that He wouldn't come to earth to conquer, but to die. And this picture of Jesus and these men bringing Jesus that colt again, and I believe this with everything in me, it was a picture again of His humility, That Jesus came of no reputation, it says in Philippians 2, but took upon him the form of a servant in the likeness of as a man and would be obedient unto death, even the death upon the cross. He came to fulfill a plan that was about to be fulfilled. He came determined to walk the road that he was walking to fulfill what God the Father had set before him. He fulfilled the prophecy of Zechariah. He was fulfilling the prophecy of Daniel. In John chapter 12, it speaks of that in verses 15 and 16. Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not as disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. They would remember this moment after Jesus was resurrected. This morning, Jesus was determined to see and to get to the cross. And this first simple thought, I ask you this, how determined are you? How focused are you on the plan that is set before you? See, there's going to be things that come in your way. There's going to be things that come that, that hit us, and we're unexpected. But if we're focused on the plan that God has, we remain steadfast, moving forward with what God has for us. I wonder this morning, how focused are you? How determined are you? Jesus has, or God has set before us a plan, and that plan is perfect so many times in my life, I've thought, wow, I thought I had this all together, and God throws a curveball. Anybody experienced a curveball in life? I sure have. Some of you are sitting here because of a curveball. <laughs> you're like, Vegas? Never. Now you're here. I wonder if we're determined. I wonder if we're steadfast. I wonder if we're focused. I wonder if we're moving forward, trusting Him. Not easy, but I wonder if we would be steadfast to move forward. The second thought is this, a determined celebration. A determined celebration. Jesus gets upon the colt where the disciples again had placed their clothing to show Him honor to give him a a clean seat, if you will. Many, even out of honor, laid their clothes on the ground. I just mentioned that. But I want to share with you what this is. This was an act of submission and honor, which was custom in their culture. And this is what it was. This act spoke to the king, being above the common man, and affirmed they were under his feet. I want you to stop and think about that for just a minute. Their act of taking the clothes off of their back to lay it on the colt and then to lay their clothes out on the ground so that the the king would come and walk on a clean ground, if you will, on a clean road, was just this thing that it spoke to the king being above the common man and affirmed that they were under his feet. Can I just say to you that Jesus that God is clearly above any common man. He is holy. He is righteous. He is perfect. He is all of those things. But Jesus Christ did not come to earth to walk as a man, to be above anybody. We just saw this, that He came, that He would serve, not to be served, that He would give His life as a ransom for all. But yet He came here, and they began to put their clothes down on the ground to speak of, to, to show forth that this guy is greater than me. And he's saying all along, I'm not greater than you. I've come that I would give life and that you might have it ever abundantly, that you might have everlasting life. I love you. All they wanted, though, they wanted a king to come to give them freedom. They wanted a king to come, not to give them spiritual freedom that Jesus came to give them. They wanted a king to come to give them a governance that would conquer the Romans who had power over them. And they thought that this Jesus was coming to do just that. And they began to do all of these things to honor him, to lift him up. Can I just say that Jesus truly deserved to be honored? He deserved to be exalted. He deserves today to be exalted far more than we exalt Him. But He came on that day not looking for that. He came on that day to walk that road because He was focused with an intent that He would die one day. In just a few short days, He would Be arrested. In just a few short days, he would be beaten. In just a few short days, he would die for you and for me. He would die for the people that were standing there saying, Hosanna. For it was those same people that would just in a moment say, Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! This morning, He was being honored, at least superficially, symbolically, but it was just a brief moment. Because though they, they took their clothes and they laid it down to honor him in submission to the king, though they, they cut down the palm trees and the cutting of the palm trees and, and laying those leaves down on the street was them saying that was a victory chant, if you will. That was victorious. That was joyful. And they, they came to say, hey, we have, we're going to conquer. We're gonna, the king is coming and we've got hope now. Do you realize the king came and he was there that they would have hope That they would have freedom. That they would have joy. But they wanted no part of the joy and the freedom and the hope that He came for. Because all they were after, all they were after was that He would give them the blessing that they felt that they deserved. That He would give them Not the salvation that He came to give them. But that He would give them prosperity. That He would give them deliverance of a Roman oppressive rule. That He would give them all of the things that they wanted upon this earth. And He did not come to give them, nor did He come to give you any of the things upon this earth. But that He came to give us eternal life. He came to give us an eternal hope. I don't know about you. But I know for me there was been many times in my life where I've thought, I'm thankful for the the blessing that God's given me here. I'm thankful for the things that I have. I'm thankful for the people that are in my life. I'm thankful for a lot of things. And then when the bad thing happens or the thing that I think is the next step hey, we we did this and now the next step, the progress of that is, is this. And it doesn't happen. I begin to go, well, God, why? Have you ever been falsely honored? Has anybody ever praised you and you're thinking to yourself, wow, I'm not worth that. Have you ever been honored and praised and then you thought to yourself, wow, I'm pretty great. That's probably what happens more than the other. There's been many times in my life I've been walking, knowing that that is where I'm supposed to be going. And along the way, a few people said, Wow, Aaron, you're great. And I've paused and I've thought, Wow, I am. I'm doing okay. Okay. And I stopped going where I'm supposed to go. Yeah, I may have jumped back on and kept going, but so many times when that praise comes, when the celebration comes, when the honor comes, sometimes we just kind of step back and go, wait, hey, you know what? I'm all right. More people should do this more often. What if Jesus had stopped and thought, you know what, this is great. Look at these millions, these hundreds of thousands of people that are honoring me. Hosanna, Hosanna. And he just said, you know what? I could conquer. I could take over that land right now. I could do this. But he didn't. He continued to press on because the cross was ahead of him. The cross was the plan that he had come to do. He did not come for the few people to cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna. But as they cried, and they literally, that word "hosanna" is that that means this: save now, save now. The King has come; He's come to save us now. And Jesus said, "No, because they're not ready for the salvation that I've come to offer them." <laughs> See, the salvation that Jesus came to offer was not about an earthly kingdom. Where all of those people at that time would just say thanks. The salvation that Jesus came for was not that of the blessing, if you will, the prosperity and the deliverance of a Roman oppressive rule. See, they, fought, they, they were seeking a fulfilled promise connected to the Messiah's reign. Jesus was not coming to do that at that time. He was determined to press forward. It was a misunderstood honoring of Christ at that time. Yes, he deserved to be honored, and yes, he deserved some of what, all of what took place and some. But it was those same people that would scream, crucify him in just a couple moments. See, many on this Monday rejoiced and celebrated Jesus as he should have been celebrated. Although that celebration turned, turned to screaming and crying out, crucify him. If you recall back, there was a statement that was made that these guys would understand it afterwards. In Acts chapter 2, Peter writes, or Peter is, is preaching, and he says this Ye men of Israel, hear these words Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God. It says this Ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Peter, in many, in many ways, is speaking to a lot of the people that were in the crowd that day. They were saying, crucify him, crucify him. And Peter is saying to them, you have taken him. You have done this. And in verses 37 and 38, they say, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? See, if Jesus had stopped then, never would he have gotten to the place to go to the cross. What shall we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He was determined. Peter said, Men, women, you must repent. You must have a change of heart. You must change. There must be a change of conduct. There must be this change, this salvation that must come upon you. And then you must believe and be baptized You must believe and be baptized. And in that moment, as you do, the promise of the Spirit that would come with it. This morning, Jesus was determined even in the face of a misunderstood celebration. I wonder how determined you and I are to take up the cross in our life. Are you looking for praise in the wrong places? Are you willing to stop seeking when you have the proper praise of people? Will you stop because you aren't getting praised enough? Are we determined? And lastly, this morning is a determined and compassionate heart. This morning, as we close out and we look at verse number 11 of Mark chapter 1, I couldn't help but, as we were reading this early on in the week, Going through, we always do a sermon, kind of a meeting at the beginning of the week to kind of look at different things with with a couple guys. And and in verse number 11, it says this, And Jesus entered into Jerusalem, and into the temple. And when he had looked round about upon all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. Jesus had come into Jerusalem he went into the temple and he began to look around if you read in the parallel passages in verse or chapter or Luke chapter number 19 it says this it says some of the pharisees from among the multitude said unto him and this is after when he would have been walking in when he'd have been uh, shortly after being praised the pharisees said unto him master Rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would cry out. He let them know if the people that are saying Hosanna, if the people that are praising me, if everybody stops, the rocks will cry out. Can I just say this morning, if you and I stop worshiping and honoring an almighty God, the rocks will cry out. And it wasn't long after this passage of Scripture, it wasn't long where Jesus was upon a cross and Jesus died and it says that the rocks cried out. Have you woke up in the morning listening to the birds just praising God? Everything that was ever Created was created for the purpose of an almighty God, to worship an almighty God. He says a rock would cry out. The animals make noise. And though we might go, that's really weird, but that's what God created them to do. We are the only ones who get to choose to worship an almighty God. We were created in His image to have a personal relationship with God. We were chosen. But he says, if we do not do so, the rocks will. And it goes on to say this. He says, and when he was come near, we beheld the city and wept over it. Or he beheld the city and wept over it. So somebody, the Pharisees begin to say, why don't you tell these people to quit? Why don't you tell them to stop worshiping you? Why don't you tell them basically he's saying, hey, you're not God. You need to tell them to stop. To which Jesus says, if they don't, and as Jesus continues to walk, and he comes in place, and he looks over the city of Jerusalem, it says that he comes, and he begins to weep. He was moved with compassion. He was broken inside, and began to weep and say, I don't know what he said, (laughs) but I can imagine he... Maybe he fell to his knees and said, God. Maybe it was another moment where he just kind of quietly and silently said, God, I don't know if I'm ready for this. But I know this is where I'm headed. I'm going to continue to walk in your way, Lord. Father, I'm going to continue to do what you have called for me to do. Father, I'm going to be obedient. I'm walking to Jerusalem. But it says that he wept as he was moved with compassion over the city. And then it says, what we read in Mark chapter 1, verse 11, that he came into Jerusalem after he had just wept. And he goes into the temple. It says he walked around the temple. And evening was come, and he left to go to Bethany. I don't know. Maybe I'm just off my rocker and I'm just a little weird. I don't know. But I kind of imagine Jesus walking into Jerusalem. Obviously it said that he was broken. It says that he cried. He wept over the city. And maybe I imagine that Jesus knows as he's already determined, he's already made made up his mind. Have you ever come to the place where you've made up your mind and I'm going? I am dead set. This is what's going on and I'm walking in it. Maybe you felt in your life where you knew God had tugged upon your heart for something and you knew without a shadow of a doubt that that is exactly where you're supposed to be and you have set. You are determined. I'm walking in that way. I'm going there. I know that this is what I'm supposed to do. Jesus was now upon this city and he's looking over and he's weeping probably in large part for the people of the city, probably in large part another part of it because he knew what was about to happen. He knew the arrest. He knew the beating. He knew the death that was about to take place. And he walks down and he stands and he begins to walk around the temple. In my mind, I'm thinking, what was going through Jesus' mind? Because we'll see it in a couple weeks. We'll look at it in a couple weeks. It was just a couple days. It's really another day where Jesus is going to walk into that same temple and he's going to begin to throw stuff. He's going to take, te- take the tables and he's tossing tables. I wonder if Jesus looked around and thought, oh, Lord, what's going on? Father, how how is this taking place in your house? Father, what? Maybe it was that. Maybe he was thinking to himself, Father, I, I don't know if I'm ready, but I've got to go forward with the plan that you've set before us. I don't know. This morning, there's many of you that may have made a decision. You've made a plan. You've, you've felt God's call. You've felt the tug upon your heart. You've, you've sensed that God was moving here. You've sensed that you were to... And, and for us, we might, it might be the smallest of things for you and I. Jesus was making a decision. He was determined to go to a cross. For you, it might be, am I I willing to walk an aisle to say yes, to say, God, I surrender, and I will say yes, to which everybody in the room will say, hallelujah, but we're scared. It also might be that you sense that God is really moving, that you would serve in an area of ministry, and you're like, I just don't know that I'm ready yet. I ask, are we determined to walk in the plan in the way that God has for each of us? Why do we not say yes to God? What stops us? Maybe you're sitting upon that city wall, if you will, just like Jesus, and you're weeping, knowing a way that you're supposed to go, and you get down into it, and you just kind of walk around, and you're thinking to yourself, Lord, I'm scared. Maybe Jesus expressed fear in some way to the Father as He was sitting there. I don't know. But He left. He went out that evening determined to move forward with the plan of the cross. For some of us, it might be a boldness, a willingness to be steadfast where we are called to be. As a high school kid, I preached a sermon on being steadfast. The first sermon I ever preached that I know of, I don't believe I did anything before that, I believe I was in ninth grade. Maybe I was in eighth grade. I have no idea why I was at that age speaking. (laughs) It was a youth night on a Sunday evening. We had Sunday night church. And the youth could lead the service, the music, the preaching. Everything was ran by the students. I don't know. There was who knows how many people would have been there that night. But I remember, and it, it, it's, it's hit me over the last probably three to six months. I preached on steadfastness. I don't know why God brought that to my heart then, and I don't know why he brought it back up to me over lit, the last several months. But I believe if there's been one thing that God has shown me in my adult life, It's that one word. To be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. See, there's a lot of things in our life. There's a lot of things in my life that I've set a plan that I'm going. Aaron, you've got to move forward. You've got to go to the cross, if you will. And things along the way haven't happened the way that I thought they should happen. And what I do and what you do is really the determining place of the next steps. And sometimes we get off course. Because the thing didn't happen, but I'm walking the way you want me to walk, Lord. Why would you allow this to happen? Because his plan is perfect. And in that moment, that's what was needed. Because down the road, we're going to look back and we're going to go, Oh, I didn't get it there but I sure get it now. But sometimes what we do is when those things happen, we just say, you know what, God? Clearly you don't know what you're doing, and I'm done. I'm going over there. And we just give up on God. Or we give up on whatever it is that we think that we are supposed to do. Can I just say, and I ask you this question, how determined are you to walk to the cross to say, God, here I am, my yes is on the table, I'm for you. And when this stuff happens and that thing happens and when this thing happens, I may weep, I may cry, I may hurt like I've never hurt before, but God, I promise to the best of my ability, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand. I have no idea why I'm crying. (laughs) Church, if we stand firm in who He is and what He's done, there's going to be a lot of junk that comes. These last three years of our life, for some people, I've been asked so many times, can I just tell you, it's been absolutely stupid. I'm probably not supposed to say that. But as a believer, I can put on a smile. I can have joy and peace in my heart. I can rise up. I can walk. Because I know who holds tomorrow. I know that he's got it all under control. I understand. And yes, there's going to be moments of tears. and There's going to be moments where I say, God, I don't get it. Why? Why this? Why now? But in that same moment that I say, God, I don't understand and I don't know why, I say, God, but I trust you and I will stand with you and I will stand firm and I will walk with you. Whatever this is, I know it's for you. Because I said yes, and I mean it. And right now, I don't know that I want to say yes, but I'm trusting you, God. I'm trusting you. Jesus' yes was on the table, Jesus was determined to go to the cross. And regardless of all the things that happened in between, just in this one couple days that we're looking at here, the next five, six chapters of this book are because Jesus was determined to go to the cross. Hey, I don't know who this sermon is for. I have no idea. I don't know what God has laid on your heart, and I don't know if you're like where I was so many years ago. I shared it last week. Knowing that God had tugged upon my heart when I was 17 or so years old, but I did everything I could to say no, to say no, to say no, to where I finally just said, God, I don't even know what yes means, but here, here it is. Nine and a half years ago. I had no idea what yes meant. Here it is. You know, there's a lot of people that sat in that that auditorium almost ten years ago that don't sit here today. Many of which have never stepped foot in church again. We walk and say, God... I'm determined because it's not about me. This is for you. This is about you. Maybe today you're sitting here and you say I've said no to God time and time and time again. I've said no. My pride is in the way. I'm unwilling to humble myself before an almighty God and say, God, I know that I've sinned. God, I know who you are. But I've never said yes. Maybe today would be a day that you would just simply say, God, I'm saying yes. And I will, to the best of my ability, be determined to walk towards that cross with you. I have every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. As we do every single week, we wrap up and just give a time that you can respond to the Lord. I don't know what was said this morning, what was read in Scripture this morning that, that touched you, that challenged you, that gripped you. Can I just ask you, in some ways I would just beg you, if you know Christ as your Savior, you are a follower of Christ. I'm asking, how determined are you to walk to the cross? How determined are you are you being stopped? Are you being swayed by things around you? Are you are you giving in? Are you unwilling to just put completely surrender? And are you willing, unwilling to be content where God has you right in this moment? Are you unwilling? Would you say yes? Maybe you would say, Aaron, I do not know you as Savior. Or not know you, I don't know Lord as Savior. I've never said yes. I've never asked the Lord to forgive me of my sins. I've never turned from the sin. Maybe today you would say, I've heard the message countless times, but I've never surrendered. Maybe this morning there's somebody in this room that is wrestling really bad, and you just need to surrender. Stop. Stop stop fighting say yes the greatest thing you could ever do is stop maybe today that would be you Father this morning I just come and Lord I I don't know that's where some of those things came this morning that's from you God, I believe there's somebody here that's wrestling with you. I believe there's believers in this room that are wrestling. That they believe, it's not a matter of belief. But Lord, it's a matter of truly surrendering. Maybe that determination is there in some ways, but they're afraid. God, would you give them boldness and confidence? Lord, maybe it's somebody that's just truly wrestling with salvation. Would you give them a boldness? Would you give them just a clear tug upon their heart that they have to? They can't just sit still. They have to respond. Give them boldness. Would we stand to our feet this morning? And as we stand, the praise team is just going to sing a song of invitation as we do every single week. Maybe you are one that is wrestling. I would love to talk to you. Maybe you are one that needs salvation. I would love to talk to you. I know there's others that would spend time to talk to you. But maybe today would be a day that you stop fighting and say yes. Yes.